Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode we talk about your 14 and 35 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk with former host of Locked On Pistons and current PlayMichigan.com writer Matt Shook about Killian Hayes' return, Sadiq Bey hitting the rookie wall, and a term I just learned on the podcast, emotional hedging. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Laz, I am doing really well. It is a beautiful Easter Sunday in Michigan right now. Almost 70 degrees, sun shining, office window open. So I'm living the high life, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is also a beautiful Easter Sunday down here in North Carolina. It's like 75 degrees and sunny. It's perfect. It's so perfect that I felt the need to share today with another person. And so joining us is the former host of Locked On Pistons and writer for PlayMichigan.com, Matt Shook. Matt, how you doing? What is happening, guys? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, no problem. I, 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 I was funny because I DM'd you. It's like, just when you think you're out, man, I'm going to pull you back in. <laughs> Like I thought I had a this. Sunday off. I thought I had a Sunday <laughs> off first time in a while, but anytime, anytime Laz uh, pulls the trigger, I'm, I'm game. I, I appreciate you, you coming on and, and you chatting with us. So, uh, so what's, what's it like to have locked on Pistons in the rear view mirror? <laughs> it, it's been nice. I mean, as you can imagine, uh, just a, a couple of days to, to kind of get things together. I moved, I made, I made an apartment switch here downtown the last few days as well. So I'm a whole new man and, uh, I, I decided to celebrate, having kind of the the Pistons a little bit in my rear view and lockdown Pistons by going to two Pistons games since the last episode. I covered uh, the Thursday game for the Detroit News and then Saturday night was uh, there for Associated Press. So now that I don't need the information, I've got all the information. (laughs) Exactly. Like you you, you can't leave. And so it's not nothing for me to pull you back into because you haven't left yet. Yeah, no problem at all. So so what's next? What's next on the agenda? Is there going to be more stuff on Play Michigan? Are we going to see more? more content like the uh, Amani Bates stock you had a couple of years That's ago? That's a great question. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm just going to kind of hang out for a little bit. Uh, you know, Play Michigan is my my full-time real job. So yeah, you you can expect to still see the regular stuff there. But yeah, I do anticipate probably writing for the news and Associated Press a little bit more, given that I have a little bit more availability and energy and, and everything. So this summer, I'm sure I'll be at Comerica Park quite a bit and LCA for the next couple months as well. But you know, as far as projects or podcasts or documentaries, I'm sure that something will come up and I'm looking forward to it. But I think that I'm angling towards more like end of summer, 
to start up something. If, if I had to guess, and this is just kind of me throwing some stuff against the wall that we've been wor- working with in the, uh, the full-time gig, but probably there's probably going to be like a play Michigan podcast at some point. I, I'm, I don't want to uh, put too many people's hopes up in case it doesn't happen or something like that, but I'm sure that we'll do kind of a Detroit Michigan sports weekly with uh, a gambling twist to it type of podcast. I think that might be something to look forward to. And plus it, it won't be about like, who to pick on certain games, but more industry slash sports and, and starting from the ground level, probably uh, loading up as football season kind of gets uh, into the the picture here coming soon. So that's probably what's going to happen, but independent type of stuff or documentary type of stuff, I hope so. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of uh, to be continued on that stuff. No, I'm, I'm definitely personally looking forward to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know, I know Ben is as well. Um, and I, I can't wait to see. I'm, I I wanted to ask you, and I wanted to ask you on the air, just because like whatever you do next, like I need to consume it. So like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be impatient, but yeah, I really like, appreciate that. I'm looking really forward to that. it, man. Thank you, and and so yeah, it'll be fun because uh, I, I it's nice to take a step back, right? And then I promise that there will be something, there will be more things, but. I, you know, I think you guys know that I'm, I'm pretty restless. I don't want to sit here and kind of do nothing. And I love to show people stuff and, and, and get them new things. So I do anticipate some exciting type of stuff. And, uh, you know, because getting the documentary done, the Imani Bates one was so it was really probably the most gratifying thing I'd ever done just because it was so much different than anything mm-hmm. that I ever done. And doing the podcast to uh, that, that extent as well. I, I'd never I hosted a radio show, but just to kind of do that in its totality as an entire thing that was a little bit different too. So it won't just be writing, but uh, it'll be, it'll be something a little different. Well, I, I really look forward to that. And speaking yeah. of exciting and gratifying, Ben Killian Hayes is back. Yeah. He only, he only played 20 minutes and he didn't score, but he's back. <laughs> did you, did you like what you saw out of Killian in his, uh, in his return to the court? Yeah, Les, I was pleased. I mean, it was a very, Killian Hayes sort of return. <laughs> it was. Right? Um, no, first and foremost, I thought he was moving well. It was very good to see him not favoring an injury and just playing basketball, right? Like he looked like he was just playing basketball uh, and doing his thing, which is just absolutely phenomenal to see. Um, and then, yeah, he did Killian Hayes kind of stuff, right? I mean, I thought he, you know, he defended pretty well, especially given how much time he's missed. Um, he had obviously. Uh, some nice flashes of that wonderful court vision that we love. He had that fantastic bounce, bounce pass and transition. I think it was to Hami, wasn't it, for a dunk? Um, you know, and he rebounded well, which is something he did in his first seven games as a rookie. Um, and really, he only had two good looks, right? Like he had that one shot that was kind of the rush to beat the buzzer. Um, and, you know, his shot didn't look any different. Um, you know, but that's okay. But I, I thought he looked good, and I am truly and sincerely excited to watch him play the rest of the season yeah matt you you were closer than than either of us what did you like what you saw yeah i mean i'm i'm with ben i think that it was uh another killian performance we we know about the passing and we saw it again last night as we as we taped this here um and and i guess if i if i had my way i would have rather seen the other stuff a little bit more but it is what it is right now and like ben said him being healthy and him moving around well was the most important part and just to get his legs underneath him, i thought them having him off the ball quite a bit was interesting you hope that he gets on the ball a little bit more as time goes on but i think that's more of a 
probably feet wet first game back kind of thing. And now they've got none of them are particularly good right now, but they have a lot of point cards. So there's just a lot of minutes that have to go around. So it makes a lot of sense. And then you want Killian to have that in his bag going forward as well to be off the ball because you never know who's going to be playing point guard for this team next year, especially watching this NCAA tournament a little bit. So um, I think it was good. I think it was everything you wanted, and you don't want to judge too much on on one game and uh, looking forward to the rest of the way. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting that from what I uh, could tell, he played zero minutes with Mason Plumley, right? And we, you, right. Matt, you talked about him playing off the ball a little bit with you know Corey Joseph and a bunch of other ball handlers. I believe like the the first lineup had like Hamadou Diallo at the four, which was uh, which is wild to me. But you know we we talked about how Plumley is perhaps like the best pick and roll partner for Killian because of the vertical lob threat spacing. Um, because of his like you know longer experience as an NBA center, uh, but they had him out there with Isaiah Stewart a bunch. I thought that was interesting that they chose to do that, and I think part of the reason why you would do that is because Plumlee like takes the ball out of the point guard's hands a lot. They run a lot of stuff through Plumlee, and and so I think you you couldn't. It'd be really difficult on the development of your 19 year old point guard to both you know have, play him at shooting guard or small forward, which is what he was playing in the first lineup. And have a center out there who's like also just taking the ball and like doing a lot of stuff with it, and so it that that was uh, interesting to me that they chose to do that. Um, the the other thing I really noticed from Killian was was the partnership with Hamadou Diallo, who yeah, was, I was like to mention that yeah that that's the next dude we're gonna talk about right like mm-hmm. like Svi is down in Oklahoma City like dunking off alley oop set mm-hmm. plays and scoring like twenty points a night, and I don't even care. Because Hamadou's been so good, mm-hmm. it's like he's averaging 15 a night in Detroit. He's shooting 55 percent from three and 93 percent from the line, which is just like crazy to me. I think he's a career 67 percent free throw shooter. Matt, did did we pick up a like shooting guard of the future by accident? I don't know if it was by accident. I just think that you know Troy Weaver obviously very familiar with him. I think that. Oklahoma City knew that the year that he was having, that he was going to get a nice contract coming up this offseason. Like the, the same uh, reasons that the Troy Weaver defenders, who have been, by the way, very right for the most part uh, as we look back, but like you don't want to pay Bruce Brown, you don't want to pay Luke Kennard. I never quite bought those those reasons, but like maybe that kind of reason it, in some ways is maybe why Presti gave up on Diallo when he wanted a certain guy, whereas maybe Mikhail Luke you can get for a little bit of a cheaper contract this next offseason. But yeah, I mean, obviously the, the one play we've all seen, the first basket of the game down 16 to one, the first field goal for the Pistons <laughs> was the Diallo dunk off the nice outlet from Killian. But there was another play later coming back down. It must have been uh, the second quarter because they were coming back down uh, towards me. And Killian kind of found him running in transition again. And Diallo kind of pulled it back and just went into a set. And 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 you probably didn't catch it on the camera, but like Killian was coming down the other wing after the pass and like almost like not rolled his eyes, but look, because that's not what I mean at all, but was like disappointed that something more didn't happen, that Diallo didn't take it all the way in because you could tell that, that Killian was excited about finding his new guy. And these things we've talked about, forever right like hoping that the pistons while they struggle through offense through the van gundy era etc etc and getting seku who maybe could have been one of those guys and it's sad to talk about him and in, in uh in, in the post-mortem here but uh like the the transition the running up and down and maybe finally especially with killian and maybe with diallo kind of being a guy too maybe there is that transition game that i feel like we've all been kind of waiting for for a while 
Ben, you you know I've been begging for the Pistons to play in transition for like four years now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked about this last so many times on the pod. Um, the Pistons have this decade-long history of just playing at one of the slowest paces in the league. And, you know, you mentioned pairing Killian with Stewart and that maybe being a little bit awkward. The flip side of that coin is I love to see him paired with uh, with Hami because they both want to run and you can tell, right? And uh, boy, does the second unit need that. The first unit could use a little bit of that too. Uh, but I think that's really exciting to see them have some chemistry so quickly, right? Because Killian just getting back to practice, obviously Diallo just joined the team, um, you know, just recently. So to see that on-court chemistry come to fruition in their first, like their first play together essentially is fantastic. And I am all about seeing some of that. Um, You know, it's been a long time since we've had a guy as athletic as Diallo. And you can just tell when he gets the ball, he wants to attack. He wants to get to the rim. We're going to have to see where that shooting levels out. You talked about, you know, that 90 plus percent at the line and and shooting the ball deep very, very well. Some of that's probably going to level out, but um, I'm really excited about the way he's approaching the game. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what sort of chemistry he and Killian can develop over these last, you know, 20 plus games of the season. If they keep Killian, in fact, in the second unit. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you talk about the shooting leveling out, Ben. Like, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, Diallo's not going to shoot 55% from three. But I, I do think it's interesting that, um, you know, we saw Jeremy Grant take a, a big leap in free throw accuracy, you know, this season. Uh, we, we're seeing that currently from Diallo. And it's not like he's taking a trivial number of free throws either. This isn't a small sample size. I believe he's averaging. Uh, like upwards of four free throws uh, a game, you know, obviously he's only played four games, but, but still like that's, that's a not insignificant amount of free throws for the amount of minutes he's playing. And so I wonder if that's like part of the Troy Weaver magic is like you, you get some of these uber athletic guys and instead of like maybe teaching them to shoot threes, you teach them how to shoot free throws first and kind of leverage that uh, for the, for the free points. But yeah, like like we've been talking about, I've been really excited by the uh, potential of those two guys together, Diallo and, and Killian Hayes. I think that as a as a match, as a pair, they work well together because uh, Killian can really create minuscule advantages in the half court for his teammates, and then Diallo can kind of like Kool Aid Man through those advantages, like just mm-hmm. bust through the wall, make stuff happen at the rim, uh, get guys in foul trouble that way and get to the free throw line and and like we talked about with the free throw accuracy and so i'm i'm really curious to see uh that lineup moving forward we saw that in the fourth quarter they rolled out um what they roll out they rolled out killian diallo uh was i wasn't paying attention in the fourth quarter so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to check with somebody else (laughs) yeah i I think it was josh jackson and jeremy grant and stewart right so it's like an, an actual legit like somewhat uh uh like fitting lineup for uh for Killian Hayes and, and Diallo both. And so I thought that was really interesting and that's worth keeping an eye on, uh absolutely. The next guy I wanted to talk about though, Ben, was was Josh Jackson. Uh Josh Jackson's been up and down. He was my awful thing last week, which I it's not like specific to him, but it's just like, you know, he was that's how he made it into the pod last week. He got inserted into the starting lineup after not playing against the Raptors, he played pretty terribly in the loss to Portland. And then he scored 31 in the win over the Wizards. And then he played terribly, just like everybody else 
against the Knicks. And so it's just it's a very up and down week for Josh Jackson. Uh, but Ben, what did you, what do you think of his elevation into the starting lineup? Do you think that that was the correct call at this point in time in the season? Well, Matt Way, I, I think it was this week, wrote a really interesting piece about uh, Josh Jackson potentially being a guy who can make life easier for Jeremy Grant. So to the extent that that can happen, and I think Matt lays out some pretty good reasons why he think it, it could happen. Uh, to the extent that that's the case, I, I think it's worth doing because uh, Jeremy's really struggling, um, especially, you know, kind of leading into the All-Star break, but especially since the All-Star break. Um, you know, he did have one really big game this week, but, you know, he's really struggled. Um, and, you know, Josh obviously had a fantastic game. Uh, and when when the ball is going through the hoop for Josh Jackson, he can shoot you to the win, right? Like he was kind of like the Julius Randall for the Pistons, oh, right? Yeah. He kind of he, he <laughs> did for the Pistons what Randall did to the Pistons. And, you know, when it's not falling, he can kind of shoot you out of the game a little bit. Um, but look, when, when it's going well for him and he's attacking, which is pretty much all the time, and then the, the three-point shot falls as well, you can sort of see the, the really dynamic – offensive skill set that made him a a high draft pick and you just kind of hope that he can find some way to level himself out a little bit because you know when things don't go well for him they they tend to sort of just cascade into just you know the 0 for 7s or the 2 for 10 games you want to see those level out just a little bit because if he can do that I think he can be a more consistent weapon um you know, not just on the the one out of every 10 games where he's completely on fire. So he's still young enough. That could happen. I think that's really got to be the next step in his development. Yeah, Matt, what, what did you make of the move to Josh Jackson into the starting lineup? Yeah, I think Ben kind of hit it on the head there that uh, it's a kind of a feast or famine for him a lot of times. And I think he's a classic. He's I think he's going to have a nice career as a bench guy that uh, is going to be an impactful bench guy. And in some, time, some nights this might be negatively impactful. But I think he's 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 working out just fine here. You, you mentioned that the rough stretch up until Thursday and then the brilliant play on Thursday for him. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a coming in waves kind of thing. And I think that Dwayne and what this is what I'm really interested in after watching last night's debacle and, and the Knicks played really well, obviously, and the Pistons are just in this spot right now with no shooting. And there's going to be nights like, well, hopefully not 44, but there's going to be nights going forward that are going to be really tough. Uh, Dwayne said after the game. Uh, you know, guys, we don't we don't want guys out here just looking for their numbers, right? And it's interesting because there's a lot of players on this team whose futures are uncertain after this year. Now, I'm not talking about the young core guys with the Pistons, obviously, but the Wayne, Wayne Ellington, Corey Joseph was acquired seemingly in part because of the fact that he could get released and you only have to give him, what, the two-point whatever next year on the contract instead. Uh, Okafor, if he comes back. Frank Jackson, what's his career look like the rest of the way? I remember an outlet pass that Joseph made up to, to, uh, to Frank Jackson where – uh, it got picked off, and they they really given each other a, a, a little bit of a tongue lashing going into a timeout there until they kind of settled down. And I I took note of that. I was like, well, what's going to happen here? How does this? Because this is where Dwayne uh, is supposed to shine, right? This is the culture, and this is these are guys that are supposed to be able to mesh well. And I think they will. I'm not I'm not predicting doom or anything like that. But uh, as someone who watches this team very closely, in addition to more importantly how Killian looks and how he fits in with with Diallo and, and the, the young guys that were already here you know, this year as well. I'm also interested to see what this looks like. And, and no, I don't want wins and certainly not a lot of wins. 
But for the development of everyone, this is where Dwayne's got to bring everything together, has got to make the right decisions on who gets the right minutes and who's starting. And I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a shuffled deck the rest of the year in some ways, trying out some different combinations, uh, focusing on, okay, Killian's going to play with this guy and this guy for a little while, see if that can get going. But how this thing is able to stay together, because there's still a lot of basketball left, is going to be something I'm watching. Yeah, Ben, what what do you think of what Matt's talking about? Do you think Dwayne Casey will be able to do a good job kind of finding that balance across the roster? Because like we, like we've talked about, they have a ton of point guards. Now all the point guards are healthy and and so they do kind of need some playing time and you think of I'm when Matt was lifting listing off names of guys whose, you know, contract situations are in flux, I was thinking about Dennis Smith Jr., you know, mm-hmm. a guy who the Pistons probably won't pick up the qualifying offer of who is at this point on at the edge of a, of an NBA career. And so like, man, what, what do you, what do you think about Dwayne Casey being able to kind of uh, keep the ship afloat in that manner? Well, he's playing like 11 or 12 guys a night. So, I mean, he's already sort of doing that, right? Like you're seeing Frank Jan- Jackson's sort of as the, the fourth quarter hero, right? He doesn't play <laughs> until the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden he, he comes out like gangbuster. So, you know, like, look, I don't always agree with Casey's rotations, but he has done a good job of spreading the minutes around when you look at the season as a whole. And I think he's done a pretty good job too of, you know, there are times when guys just don't play for a short stretch. Like we saw that with Seiko over the last handful of games, right? So uh, we saw Josh, Josh Jackson get no minutes. So, you know, I have to assume that behind the scenes, he's engaging with players and managing egos and finessing all of this stuff in a way that we don't see. Because I, th- I think one thing you can praise Uh, coach Casey for is you have not seen any significant player blowups, right? Like the closest we saw was, was Blake Griffin after he was a piston, right? So (laughs) I I think there's just a lot going on behind the scenes that we're not necessarily privy to um, that has earned respect in the mind of his players. Uh, And look, yeah, there's what five point guards, something like that on the roster or five guys who can play point guard and he's finding a way to get each of them some minutes. Uh, Laz, you've brought this up a couple times in the past. Um, you know, with the emergence of Isaiah Stewart, um, you know, he did a good job of making sure that Julio Okafor got some minutes, right? Because he was brought in uh, under the assumption that he would get his minutes. So um, I'm not terribly worried about it. And and look, frankly, um, the more of those bad point guards who play, play the better it is for the <laughs> tank. So uh, I, I'm cool with that. And it's just interesting contrast with last night because I'm right by the Knicks bench and Tibbs has got those guys. They were just obviously gangbusters. And when you hit shots, it's a lot easier to look like everything's just perfect with your your team. And you're in Detroit, you're snapping a three-game losing streak. So everything all good for New York. But they're all excited at the end of the game because the, the kid from Antigua came in who they just signed Friday night to a 10-day. He looks like he broke his hand on, on the play at the very end. I'm sure you guys had tuned it off long by then. But he goes down with like four. 40 seconds left, but he's on a 10 day. So he stays in the game and then he blocks Isaiah Stewart at the rim twice on the final possession down there. The Knicks bench went crazy. The guys were just running around uh, and it looked like a team that was that was connected and they're back to 500. And obviously there's something to play for for the first time in a long time with the Knicks. So a lot of that is natural, but that's a real challenge for Casey with a lot of guys. Like I said, half the roster is playing for the rest of their career right now and a lot of them like like we've talked about our point guards are going to have the ball in their hands a lot so they're going to initiate things or not initiate things and that's going to be quite a challenge and that's one of the things i got my eyes on 
Yeah, Matt, the, the moment that solidified that for me, because I also saw the Knicks bench be much more uh, cohesive than I guess I imagined them because I haven't watched them play in a while. But the, the thing that cemented that for me prior to the Norvell Pell block was uh, the back-to-back threes by Kevin Knox with like three-ish mm-hmm. minutes left. Yep. And like them, they're, then they're, you know, the Knicks, the bench is blowing up for Kevin Knox. Casey's forced to call a timeout and, you know, down 35 or whatever. Um, and you think about him, right? Like that's a kid, uh, lottery pick struggled a lot throughout his entire career like not in the rotation right now for new york really Mm -hmm. he comes in and he makes a shot and like the entire team is like you know cohesively you know cheering for him and i i noticed that as well that the that the knicks were much more uh, energetic and lively which i guess is sort to be expected in a 40 point win sure but uh but but yeah no that definitely i also want to throw out there too in in while we're talking about casey so much about this like this is an opportunity for maybe a jeremy grant or maybe mason Plumley or insert your veteran or young guy here like who's gonna who's the captain of this team right now right and it's not i mean we're talking about the the end of a drag season so it's not all that important but maybe this is a chance for uh a, a a a player to step up as a leader because there's really, to, to me, there's no one. I mean, Mason Plumley doesn't seem like a, a vocal kind of guy. And we know that Jeremy Grant's one of the more quiet guys that we've ever be, seen around us. So uh, I think there's an opportunity there. I don't know if Killian's that type of personality either. And, and maybe that comes down the line. Maybe that's the draft pick next year. But I think that kind of keeping it together and holding it together will be a challenge. And maybe it comes from within the locker room. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, right? That that Josh Jackson uh, was the guy to address the crowd for the mm-hmm. first time that they like had a crowd. You know, normally you think that would be kind of reserved for Jeremy Grant as the big free agent signing, as the guy who you know is the the coveted project of the new general manager. But instead, they gave it to the the native Detroiter who mm-hmm. at the time like wasn't even in the starting lineup. And so, like, yeah, there there are going to be opportunities for for leadership for this team but that was very reminiscent to me of like the time like karam butler addressed the crowd in the first time uh, <laughs> for the first game of the season who's karam legendary butler. Piston. <laughs> yeah. all right guys uh let's who did i talk to last let's go with ben ben uh so sadiq bay made five threes against the raptors raptor killer sadiq bay i think he's averaging like 19 points a game in all three wins uh, over the raptors this season you love to see that i like beating the raptors uh, it's fun beating the Raptors with COVID since they can't cheer uh, in the uh, Little Caesars Arena. Mm-hmm. But he hit two threes the rest of the week. That's not good. The last 15 games, he's shooting 36% from the floor, 33% from three, and 91% from the free throw line. That's also not good. Ben, do you think Sadiq Bey has kind of hit the rookie wall a little bit? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Uh, the free throw shooting, I always look to free throw shooting as sort of an indicator of how true a shooter someone is. And I think Sadiq Bay has a shot. I, I think this is just a slump. Uh, it could certainly be the rookie wall. And I'll tell you, um, interestingly, I've had a lot of the opposing team's audio commentators the last couple weeks, and just about every one of them, and especially the Raptors TV guys, just sing Sadiq Bay's praises. So, you know, I don't think we're suffering from any sort of homerism when we think that Sadiq Bey really is a legit NBA player. I think he is. I think he's just going through a shooting slump, and uh, I don't want to worry about him too much. Uh, he's He, I think, is the real deal. Um, just struggling to knock down shots right now. Yeah, you notice, Ben, I did not use my concerned or worried phrasing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
because I am not really concerned or worried about Sadiq Bey. I do think he's like a, a consummate professional and the type of guy who will be in this league for a long time. But when you see, you know, 33% from three over the last 15 games, Matt, to me, that really just screams rookie wall. You yeah, know? I think it's a rookie wall. Um, I think that, I mean, this guy is like a seven-year vet right away, right? It's been, we expected it because that's kind of what he was billed at as like a plug-and-play guy. But it was obviously much better than we would have anticipated for the first half of the season. A little bit of a doldrum lately for him. But yeah, a little bit of a rookie wall. And uh, no concern for me, long career ahead for Sadiq Bay, and uh, very happy to have him on the Detroit Pistons for sure. All right, Ben, you tweeted out something earlier today, or earlier yesterday, I guess. You tweeted out Andre Drummond's true shooting percentage in his last two full seasons in Detroit, 55.5%. Jeremy Grant's current true shooting percentage as a Piston, 55.6%. So we got a little bit of improvement over Andre Drummond, the human destructive force of offense. Ben, <laughs> now I'm going to use my concern phrasing. Are you concerned about Jeremy Grant? Yeah, I, I am. I'm starting to feel concerned about Jeremy Grant. Um, you know who we have seen post All Star break, maybe that week leading into the All Star break, versus everything before that um, is a bit different. Um. I think, look, go read Matt's piece on, on DBB if you haven't already. I think you can attribute some of this to uh, losing Blake Griffin, who, for better or worse, you know, in, in Detroit, he was certainly functioning as a bit of a, a point forward, point guard hub for the offense. And I think Jeremy Grant really benefited from that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, his shooting, the question for me right now is who's the real Jeremy Grant, right? Like, is he the guy who was 23% or excuse me, 23 points a game on 57, 58 true shooting? That's that that's not volume shooting and volume scoring. That's efficiently putting 23 points on the board. And for a guy like Jeremy, like I, I've been a little critical of him because he's not really a complete offensive player in my mind. Um, he's not terrific passer he doesn't generate a whole lot of assists he's really kind of a guy who gets his own look if he's going to drop down to that 55 percent true shooting percentage and that's where he's going to land for the for the season as a whole you're starting to fall into sort of like volume shooter territory and if that's the case i'm worried um you know a lot was made of andre drummond's offensive inefficiency and look to be fair to jeremy grant uh, he, he's not a high turnover guy, right? And Andre Drummond is. So it, true shooting percentage is obviously not telling you everything you need to know about an offensive player. But um, a lot was made about Andre and his inability to convert at up near 60% true shooting like he did as a rookie and sophomore when he started to carry a bigger load. Um, you look at Jeremy Grant's career when he was in a lower usage role, his, his shooting numbers were really, really good. This is his first season in a high usage role. And they're trending the wrong way, right? So it's not just that he's at this 55, 56% number right now. It's that he started off really hot and it's just kind of been a steady decline since. So yeah, I'm a little concerned. Um, I'm not saying Jeremy Grant is a fraud or anything like that. Like I'm not going that far. Uh, I am saying, however, that uh, this is something we need to be paying attention to. Um, you know, is this guy a franchise level scorer or not? Um, you know, fortunately, we're not paying him a max like he is. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is something we need to be paying attention to for the rest of the season. Matt, 
you you're closer to these guys than than we get the chance to be. Do you get the sense when watching Jeremy Grant that like the the season has started sort of uh, sort of taking its toll on him, and like that's the reason for the lower efficiency? Yeah, I think that that is probably the best way to put it. It's just been a long year for him. And I think he's just overused. I mean, it's a, it's a usage thing. It's a role thing. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, if he can be the second best player on a very and a good NBA team, that would be outstanding and well worth the contract, obviously. So uh, I think I've, I have seen enough from Jeremy Grant to to go into next season, whatever the rest of this year looks, feeling good. So uh, to me, it's no issue. It's uh, it's just a role situation where it being the number one focal point of a defense, I mean, you watch this guy play, nothing comes easy. There are no easy baskets for Jeremy Grant. And that's what a season of not playing with any real point guard play does. Uh, a good point from Ben about Blake Griffin in that, you know, th- the point forward part, I think all right, maybe Laz said it about Blake, but the point forward part, but just the usage part, right? The focal point part, the um, having the ball in their hands a lot. I just think it's that's going to take care of itself. It would be nice to have uh, a solid, steady point guard. Maybe Killian becomes that next year and beyond. And uh, I think he's going to benefit from having some more talent around him because there's just, as we know, not a lot of talent on this team right now. And uh, he's going to benefit from playing with better players and he's going to shine in that more of a secondary type of role. And that's just fine. And that's uh, a perfect fit for him. No, absolutely. I think, I think that, you know, it's both a function of this being the first time Jeremy Grant has had to shoulder this kind of offensive load and a function of like nobody else on the team is really capable of creating looks in the way he can. We've seen a little bit of it from Diallo and I'm hoping that that flash continues, but also again, it's been, you know, four games and we're not really trusting Diallo as a, as a shooter quite just yet. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I am also a little concerned about Jeremy Grant. Uh, I want to, for, for both the purposes of keeping him sort of healthy and the purposes of like, absolutely definitely preserving the tank i would like to see him be a little bit more load managed as we get Mm -hmm. towards these final 20 ish games of the season um i don't know whether or not that will happen um but that that is something i'm definitely like interested in as the season uh rolls along my guess is you will see that i think that you like he'll have if he even rolls out of bed the wrong way i think he's gonna take a couple of days off and you know by the by the team telling him to do that and even without that i think you're gonna get some rest games in between there i just i just in Dwayne casey's done it before we remember these last couple years where uh especially last year end of the season you see all the kids you see those players that you that you you really need to see and you need to give them their run and their minutes. And there's plenty of those guys on this team. So yeah, I would expect to see uh, Jeremy Grant uh, not in uniform a few, uh, several times down the stretch. All right, Matt. Uh, now you, you write for playmichigan.com. Yes, sir. Gambling is legal in yes. the sports gambling is legal in the state of Michigan. Um, I don't live in a state with sports gambling, so I just get the ads, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but uh, I was talking to Ben, and we were like, "If we're going to have Matt on, we got to ask some gambling questions." Yeah. But then we were like, "Neither one of us knows anything about <laughs> sports gambling." So, if someone wants to get started with sports gambling, what what should they be doing? Yeah. So, first of all, you should go to playmichigan.com. That's the place there to go because yeah, yes. we got to throw out the the plug. Yes, absolutely. But not. But in all in all reality, we if you want to sign up for apps, and we we are not a gambling platform. Like you don't go to our website and and make bets. You would go to find out what's going on the news-wise, 
uh, who's partnered with who, uh, what what deals are out there. We have contracts with uh, the the actual companies. So whatever best bonus that you're seeing advertised on TV, best sign-up bonus, we have those at playmichigan.com. So click through and uh, figure out which app you want to give a try to. You've heard of them all. DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, et cetera, et cetera. There are 12 sports gambling apps right now legal in the state of Michigan. There is going to be 15 uh, at the end of the rollout, which probably should be the end of the year. The uh, the final three will be launched. So, And when you get into one of these apps, pretty all these are very user-friendly. Uh, BetRivers is the one that doesn't have an app, actually. You just have to do it uh, on a, through the website. But And all of them also have a, you know, the website capabilities as well. So you don't have to download apps to go through them, but yeah, pretty, pretty basic when you get in there. I mean, uh, lines, money line, uh, over unders are pretty much the pregame stuff. What I've been getting into lately to check out has been a lot of the in-game, the live betting. It's where you can kind of watch a game and say, okay, well, this feels like the high watermark for whatever team. Maybe I'll go on the other side right now and grab as many points as possible. But the coolest thing that I think, and something that's a little bit unique to Michigan and unique to this particular moment that we're living in right now for sports gambling in Michigan, is that there are so many deals out there. Not just to sign up and the free $2,000 bet you're going to get or whatever. And be sure to read the terms and conditions and send me an email if, if something's not quite uh, seeming right to you and I'll, and I'll try to get to the bottom of whatever. And if you're having a dispute with the website, please get in touch with the Michigan Gaming Control Board and, and myself as well. We'll get to the bottom of it. But uh, when you sign up for apps, the promos that they have, and uh, what I do is I just play one promo off one site against another promo off the other site, and that way you got a game happening and you're going to win money either way. That's just a little tip from your boy here. But uh, So that's that's kind of the, the long and short of it. Of course, the, the ads, I'm sure, especially for folks who either have no interest in gambling or certainly don't want to he- hear about it multiple times per commercial break during a Pistons game, it's annoying. I understand that. And uh, – having access to more gambling creates more gambling problems. That is another thing. So uh, we are, you know, it's uh, the industry, um, the regulators can only do so much on that end right now. So hopefully the operators not only cool it on the ads and having so many of them, but we know that that's capitalism at its final finest right now uh, for better or worse. So, and, and, and of course it creates uh, responsible gambling situations, problem gambling. So uh, there are, uh, issues with it, and hopefully operators step up and do more, not just lip service, not just the things that you have to do to be a gambling operator legally in the state of Michigan, but uh, hopefully it becomes a little bit of a marketing ploy, or maybe they put some of their marketing money into inpatient clinics, things like that. Um, that's kind of what I would like to see as time goes on, because there's so much money being made by these operators that maybe they take not just the things that they have to do, but take some uh, some initiative and, and do some things on their own. But uh, I just want to throw out the number for the problem gambling hotline here in Michigan is 1-800-270-7117. If you feel like you have a problem or know someone who might have a problem, do all that. So we got to cover our bases there, but that's, that's what's going on. And uh, yeah, playmichigan.com is going to have really the best stuff. We're the only people that are doing this daily and thoroughly as far as the information that you need to know to do it safely. And uh, we've got all the avenues open in case you want to get uh, get in touch with us with uh, reporting about what's going on with your gambling situations or if any other questions you might have. That was good. Yeah, that's uh, that was just a taped response. I just pressed play and that was the same <laughs> response I give every time. So that was, that was what was great about that. 
No, I mean, no, I, I, even as someone who like can't gamble, right? Like I appreciate the, the thoroughness and comprehensiveness of that answer because I know like when I come home for Christmas, I, you know, I might download an app or two. I, I see the promos, right? Like I, I like a hundred bucks for one hit just as mm-hmm. much as the next guy. Right. <laughs> I like the one hit. That was uh well, well done. Yeah. Uh, ben, you want to ask the last question you have? Cause I think you should ask this one. Cause it's definitely <laughs> up your alley. Yeah. This is, this is definitely the existential question of my Pistons fan existence. How much money should I bet on the Pistons sliding as far as possible in the draft in order to retire early? You know, that is a good, I don't think that will, that right now, that is not a bet that will be available legally in the state of Michigan right now. So I don't think they do like how the lottery is going to work out in terms of a bet. Now that's the other part. Do not email me for gambling advice. That is not something that we do at playmichigan.com. We will give you information about like, we'll write a lion story every week saying, here are the considerations for making your bet, but there will never be a story that says, here's what you need to do. But yeah, I'm like you, Ben. I mean, for my personal betting, I go, okay, if the, if the Pistons are ever playing a big game again down the road, and I look forward to that happening at some point in our lifetime, uh, I'm definitely betting against the Pistons. I'm getting betting against the money line. That's just how I, I operate. Uh, I, it's called emotional hedging in betting because <laughs> if your team wins, you're happy, right? And if your team loses then you, eh, you want a little money. So that's just, that's just the, the, uh, the maybe defeatist attitude I have towards, towards life. Maybe that's a little peer into my soul there, but, uh, yeah, when my teams are playing big games, you better believe I've got money on the other side. So I'm winning either way. I feel like I've been emotional hedging my whole life and I just realized it. <laughs> well, I think we've all grown a lot today. It's like they have a name for that? I didn't know they had a name for that. I I don't know if it's a it's a common industry thing, but certainly that's what I've yeah, that's what I've been doing. You you what you uh you hope for the best, you prepare for the worst. That's right. That's a that's how it works in life. So that's that's how I handle it. Some people are completely on the other side of it where they say, you know, you want the 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 money and the the pleasure from your team winning, but me, yeah, I'm I'm totally on the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now it is time for my new favorite segment of the podcast, the Pistons awful thing that is annoying me this week. The Pistons awful thing that annoys is annoying me this week is Corey Joseph doing his best Lou Williams impersonation. <laughs> I have never seen Corey Joseph shoot so much in my entire life, and it, I, I don't like it. It's causing the Pistons to lose, and he's putting up, you know, half decent uh, counting stats. But like, what, Corey? Like, please pass the ball, my man. Please, Ben. What is your Pistons awful thing that's annoying you this week? Well, I feel like it should be Seiko Dumbuya DNPs, but like, like honestly, man, I don't know if I care that much given how underwhelming he's been this season. So, yeah, I mean, it should be Seiko DNPs, but I don't know. I I just can't seem to muster the outrage this week but matt what is what is your pistons awful thing that is annoying you this week and if you feel like you can't answer for like you know pure journalism reasons like i totally understand well i'll do a cop-out answer here and it won't really be so much about the pistons because i you know stop doing the daily podcast and i foresee a time when i probably won't be watching certain games the rest of the year that has not happened yet because you know they played portland the first night i'm watching Portland whenever I get a chance and then I went to the next couple of games for work but now the thing that's awful for me is a five game road trip with late games like Ugh. I think you're gonna see me uh missing cutting out at halftime if not before that I've enjoyed the fact that 
I've been going to bed and in bed like by midnight the last few nights, which is very unusual for me. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know. People do this every night. Apparently, they are asleep by midnight. I, I had no idea that that was something that happened, but I have finally re- discovered that recently, and I'm very excited. I like. I sometimes I'll get like seven and a half hours of sleep. It's like the greatest feeling in the world. And uh, and the West Coast trip is going to ruin, I think, my run of consecutive Pistons games. And uh, that's my awful thing this week. Um, that is that is an excellent transition point into the schedule for next week. Thank you, Matt. I'm sorry that you're not going to get your seven and a half hours of sleep. All right, Ben, the Pistons play the OKC Thunder tomorrow. Then they go on the road to the Nuggets on Tuesday. Ooh, a back-to-back into the Denver. That's rough. Uh, Thursday, they play the Kings. Saturday, they play the Trailblazers. And Sunday, they play the Clippers. So two back-to-backs in seven days. That's fun. Ben, the tank looks pretty well-preserved this week, doesn't it? It does. We've got this fee revenge game and the the DeLon Wright uh, revenge game to look forward to. So uh, expect some fireworks DeLon there, Wright, I guess. It feels like a long time ago to me, doesn't it? I, like, DeLon, I was like, DeLon Wright, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, man, I don't know how to predict this team's wins and losses. Like, just look at the last week. You've got no close games, right, essentially, but complete blowouts either way. Who, know, who knows how they do this week? It's it's anybody's guess. I, I bet they beat the Thunder just to annoy us. Yeah, that seems Because right. that would be bad for the tank. Yeah, the Thunder, and Thunder had a rough night last night, too. And then they, the Thunder come to Detroit a week from Friday. As I'm as I'm looking here, so a couple of barn burners coming up here with the the Thunder and the Pistons, and then you got the Wizards again. You got the Cavs, um, and then uh, the the Timberwolves later this year. So I mean, there's some big games. I mean, we joke about it, but these are important games for the future of this franchise in the in the weird the wrong direction than you might hope uh, at this point in the season in future years. But uh, these these are some games to keep an eye on. No, absolutely. All right, Ben. What did you think of the uh, UCLA-Gonzaga game? Did you stay up for that? I did not, but wow, what an ending. That Those last two minutes were absolutely fascinating to watch, even though I didn't watch them live. I was selfishly rooting for UCLA the entire time. I've been selfishly rooting for <laughs> UCLA this entire tournament because they eliminated both of our teams, and so how can you not root yeah, for them just enough. like to feel better? More emotional hedging. See, I learned a new term today. Yeah. There it is. And, and as we tape this, another big game tonight with the women and then the men tomorrow. It should be a couple of fun nights of college basketball ahead. I, I definitely need to check out the Arizona women. I like I, I need to sit down and watch that game because yeah, Ari that's on, a, the other night was she was amazing against yeah. uh, UConn and uh, fun a fun watch. I mean, I think I think we can we can feel that women's basketball is gaining some momentum, and that's obviously a great thing and, and overdue. But uh, yeah, I'm about to settle in and, and check this game out. No, absolutely. So we will we will let you do that then. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I'll let the people know where they can find you and where they can find uh, more of your work. Yeah, thanks, first of all, you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm, I listen to the pod most weeks to for you guys as well. And I know that the listeners will have plenty of great podcast options out there, half of them from Laz himself uh, going forward. <laughs> but uh, yeah, playmichigan.com is the place to be. You can still, I can see if I can remember how to say this. 
tweet twitter matt underscore shook s-c-h-o-c-h another underscore after that so check us out there and uh yeah playmichigan.com that's the place to be and to be continued on more projects and i just want to say i'm sure we have crossover listeners from both podcasts i would think so anyway so thanks to all the people who listened to locked on pistons over the last three and a half years it was a lot of fun it was very gratifying and just like anything else, it's the people, the listeners, the people that we interacted with and that uh, will remember and appreciate the most. And, uh, and yeah, so, so that's my, my spiel and thanks. And, uh, and yeah, it was great. And I uh, look forward to interacting with all you folks down the line. All right, Ben, where, where can the people find you? Where the can, where can the people also like pull your money so we can all emotionally hedge? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you can find me in bed before midnight most nights. That dad life, <laughs> that dad life does its thing, my friends. Uh, Abby Argolker on Twitter, uh, DetroitBadBoys.com. Always in the comments. I enjoy talking about the podcast. If you have feedback, if I'm wrong, please tell me. I like to talk about it there. And of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I am not necessarily looking forward to the dad life i don't know what i'm gonna do with this podcast <laughs> what do we got on, on date for that uh that is coming eta august all right so you know just in time for uh for summer league, <laughs> <laughs> summer league yeah maybe. we'll see how that goes less <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> those are day games i guess but still it's like i could dvr it i guess and watch it in like you know 90 minute chunks in between feedings yeah you're gonna need you're gonna need to get the the, the plan that gives it to you on your cell phone so that when you're up at 3 a.m you can catch those 15 minute highlights <laughs> I just I don't know like this this uh, NCAA tournament I think you feel better about Mobley the more you watch him you feel better about uh, Suggs the more you watch him of course you already feel good about Cunningham I don't know I've got a I got a really positive feeling about the the lottery and how that might work out even going down to four or five hopefully it's not six or seven and if that's the case then it's just Detroit versus everybody and uh, let's just uh, let's just roll with it like we like we like we are used to doing getting kicked in the teeth a little bit and, uh, and play the role of victim. Like we do very well. And uh, no matter what's going to happen, uh, feeling good about the future of this team. And it's a great place to be positive vibes to end the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. And we will talk to y'all next week. See you.